Welcome to 30 Minutes with Nettie. My name is Nareda Fernandez, I go by Nettie, and I am your host. The mission of 30 Minutes with Nettie is to provide a platform to discuss and share personal stories to enhance our understanding and personal growth. The idea is simple. The more we share, the more we can learn from one another. Hello, welcome to week 33 of 2017. Thank you so much for tuning in. Last week, I shared or asked you guys to save a date for me, August 26th of 2017, to celebrate 30 Minutes with Nettie's one-year anniversary since the first release last year. August 26, 2017, 5 p.m. at Greentown Tavern in Waukegan. More details are found on Instagram or Twitter at Nettie's Podcast or find the podcast on Facebook. This event will be an opportunity for the 30 Minutes with Nettie community to meet mingle, dance, drink, celebrate this community that we are building. I know that I want to hang out with you guys in person, so I really hope to see you there. This is a community event. All listeners and all guest speakers are invited. A special guest, Tasty Treats from Glam Cakes Bake Shop. A big thank you to Adam Carson for joining me in a discussion. Adam is a director of strategic initiatives with the Lake County Department. And I have a funny story of how we met. I actually knew of Adam and he knew about me. We followed each other on social media first. Adam is married to a good friend of mine, so that's how we first linked up or connected online. And we met at Starbucks. I was actually meeting a cousin and I was in line to order and I looked back and Adam was behind me. Now, sidetrack to the story, Have this, has that ever happened to you? I feel like that's a more recent thing with social media now when you're following someone and you really don't know them but you do know them and you ask yourself like do i say hi or do i not anyway well i introduced myself to adam i was meeting with a cousin so we didn't get a chance to talk for long but in those short two to three minutes that we introduced each other i was intrigued to know more about him and i wanted to keep conversing with him and we even shared or suggested some books to each other I asked if he would be down to join me in a very non-formal open discussion to share more of who he is and allow me to record it and share it on the podcast. And he agreed, so thank you so much, Adam. You're a cool dude in my books, and I'm looking forward to having you join in other group discussions. I hope everyone is having a good week. I hope you guys enjoy meeting Adam, and I will talk to you guys soon. Hello, I am here with Adam Carson. He is the Director of Strategic Initiatives. Hi, Adam. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Good. You are not from Waukegan. Not at all. And normally I have people who are from Waukegan or the Lake County area, so okay. I'm interested to know more about where you're from, okay. um, your upbringing, and then also you coming as an outsider looking into <laughs> Waukegan <laughs> and in your field. You, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's let's start out. Um, by introducing yourself. Okay. Let okay. us know a little bit of your upbringing. Okay. Um, so I'm originally from Mississippi. Uh, my father, my both of my parents are from Mississippi. I was born there. Okay. My father was in the military, so we moved around a little bit. And then he took a job back in my home, their hometown, which is okay. Vicksburg, Mississippi, uh, working for the Corps of Engineers. So if you know anything about Katrina and the floods, then the Corps of Engineers was all over that. Um, Both so parents or just your dad? Just my dad. Just okay. my dad. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for okay. a while, and then she works. She works at a bank now. So real chill, you know, army brat. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you have siblings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oldest of six, so it's 
four girls and two boys, and the youngest is eight. So we've got like a <laughs> we got like a little we got like a little squad situation going. <laughs> but um, so I grew up in Mississippi, went to undergrad there, um, and so yeah, I've been in Waukegan now for for what like two years, maybe mm-hmm. two years. Um, I met my wife when I was working in consulting. Um, I was working for a project. Uh, so I lived in Mississippi, but worked for a consulting firm in Chicago. So okay, it was so one of those situations here. where, you know, you get on a plane Monday, they assign you to a hospital, and you fly to that hospital for like six months. So oh, um, I started out, so my first project was like in, in uh, Portland, Oregon. Okay. So Monday mornings, I would wake up at 5 a.m., get on a flight, fly all the way from Jackson, Mississippi to Portland, Oregon. Uh, so I did that for a little bit until I met my wife, actually. So I met her. Um, she was in Milwaukee at grad school in Marquette, oh, okay. and I was working on a ho- for a hospital out in uh, Waukesha. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran into her, you know, moved to Chicago a couple years, a year later, um, and then we got married. I feel like a year after that. Um, so yeah, Waukegan is uh, it's an interesting space, but um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, it's really cool being in a space and learning people mm-hmm. and having no connection to that space. I feel like it gives you a very different view. Yeah. Of the potential that a space has. And so I feel like Waukegan has a lot of a lot of potential for sure. So what are you doing as far as uh, in your field and as a career? Yeah. You're yeah. working in the health department? So I work at the health department. Um, so, you know, prior to this, I work mostly in hospitals, right? Okay. So hospitals and health departments are completely different, you know, different setups. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hospital is someplace where you have a doctor that you go to, you know, and you have your primary care physician or whatever. Mm-hmm. You see your doctor maybe in a clinic, mm-hmm. and if something's going on, they refer you to the hospital. And so hospitals are, you know, inpatient stays or surgeries or births, you know, that kind of thing. They have a very defined business. Mm-hmm. Public health um, is a little bit different, and our public health department is a little bit different here in Lake County because you have, like, what they call traditional public health services. So that's, like, you know, immunizations, they're testing mm-hmm. the water, um, they've got animal care control, so that's like, you know, dog bites, you know, getting dogs off the streets that are vicious and attacking people, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. But then you also have our community health centers. So we're, we're different. There's only like 6% of the public health departments in the country have the combination of the traditional public health with the clinic structures. So okay. we've got five clinics in Lake County. Okay. One in Highland Park, Zion, North Chicago, Belvedere here in Waukegan, and then one in Round Lake as well. Okay. So they provide a host, like a gang of services um, from dental to, you know, again, the basic, you know, I'm sick and have a sore throat to, you know, severe mental illness and behavioral health uh, issues. They provide those services as well. So that makes us really unique. Um, and, And so my role at the health department is brand new. What happened is, you know, with the Affordable Care Act and under the Obama administration, the state of Illinois expanded Medicaid. Okay. So that means prior to that, you know, people who were coming to the health department didn't have insurance and just were paying out of their pockets. But because Illinois expanded Medicaid, more people have insurance. And so, you know, they're now dealing with managed care contracts. And mm-hmm. there's now incentives from like Blue Cross and Blue Shield to provide quality care. Right. So if you provide quality care, they'll give you a check to say thank you for providing good care to these people. And so that was something new in a space that they were like, okay, well, we've got all this more complicated healthcare type stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We need to be more like a healthcare organization. So they needed someone to come in and say, where do we need to go in the next three, five, ten years? Okay. You know, how are we going to get there? And so that's a part of my job, kind of create that vision for where the organization needs to go and then launch the projects and initiatives, that's the title, mm-hmm. to reach that strategy. And so you're working like with a group of, 
Is it a group of you guys? Or? So there's at the health department there's six directors. Okay. Um, and there's there's the executive director, and so we kind of make up the executive team. Okay. Um, so I'm over seven departments or seven areas at the health department. So managed care contracting, marketing, uh, policy, training and development, data and analytics, and then quality. So that's six. There's one more that I'm missing. And I always forget that seventh one. Maybe there's six. Shit, I don't know. So six. It's, it's six today. So yeah. Well, tell me, when you came in, I mean, everything was new for you, Lake County. Yeah. So how is it compared to other... I think the, 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 the striking thing about Lake County as a whole mm-hmm. is that it is extremely diverse. Okay. Um, you Coming from a place like Mississippi, obviously there's diversity in terms of like, you know, socioeconomic status, right? Okay. But from a demographic standpoint, Mississippi is essentially black and white mm-hmm. with a very small percentage of Indians, Asians, and Latinos or Hispanics. Mm-hmm. Um, coming to Lake County, you've got all of these pockets of extreme wealth, but also extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. And so from a strategy standpoint, how we look at how do we get all of these individual groups to understand the health and the health indicators that they have, and then how do we get them to work together to create this sense of community where we're all striving towards creating a healthy county and an inclusive county for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, is challenging. You have people in Lake Bluff who don't necessarily um, care or you know are interested in what's happening in North Chicago because you're living, living in a completely different world. One of the data points that we pulled out, you know, some of the assessments we've been doing is that, you know, there's a 14... Uh, year difference in terms of life expectancy for someone that lives in North Chicago versus Lake Bluff. Really? So that four miles, that the difference in how long you will live is 14 years. So why is that? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you know individuals who live in certain communities have better outcomes? Well, we obviously know they're better educated, they have better jobs, they have more resources, they have access right. to fresh foods, they can exercise, like all these things that keep right. good communities need to thrive. And so, so much of the strategy that I've launched and what we're focused on is understanding the issues and challenges that communities are facing in terms of their barriers to being healthy. But then how do we get other community groups to say, you know, we all need to care about what's happening in North Chicago or Waukegan and Zion. We need to create this framework and this strategy that says, you know, it's not good enough for just Lake Bluff or Vernon Hills or Libertyville to, you know, have great schools and have great communities. What do we need to do to assure all of our communities have the same assets and have the same foundation to which they can be healthy. And so we've we've started that over the last couple of months in some of the conversations we're leading. And um, we'll, we'll see how successful they are because that, that change and that, that conversation is a difficult one to have because it's a complex conversation. Right. There's a number of things that have, that have happened and occurred that makes North Chicago, Waukegan, and Zion look like they look. Mm-hmm. And so how we create the momentum or even that, that attention on what it takes to make these communities thrive, to make sure every, everyone can earn a, learn a, earn a living wage, that all the schools are performing at the same level and are funded adequately, mm-hmm. that you know police have good relationships with communities. Yeah. Um, it's really, really important, but something we're all working on. So you're coming up with all these strategic ways to help improve the community. Who are you presenting these to? We've presented... <laughs> I think, you know, my wife is, my wife makes fun of me because she was like, you know, when she was in school, she was like, I don't, she was like, I just don't know someone who does PowerPoint presentations all the time. But that's kind of the circuit I've been on, you know, for the last six months. Um, we have a board at the health department. We have, we have two boards, actually. One is the governing council, which kind of oversees all of our clinics. And then we have a board of health, which has, you know, county board members and, and community members on it. Mm-hmm. 
So we first kind of went through this strategy and kind of, you know, got them to understand this, like, you know, over this period of time. So they, we launched our strategic plan, like, in, um, in April. Mm-hmm. So from November to April, that's all we talked about. That's all I talked about is, like, here's why we're focusing on this. Here's why we need our staff involved in this. Here's the things that we want to do and launch. And then here's how we're going to monitor to see it successful. So we talked to them about it. And then once we launched it, we shared that information with our county board as well to say like, hey, here's the things we're focused on as a health department. We're not just a place where people come, you know, to get healthcare services, we, we, but we want to shape policy and we want to shape some of the conversations happening in the county here. Um, we've talked to park districts about the value of, you know, making sure people understand the assets, you know. Another thing I used to make fun of is I call Lake County like the county of parks. I was like, I've never seen so many freaking parks and like gyms and park districts in my life. But, you know, if you if you if we know that in Waukegan, Zion, North Chicago, that people are more obese, more diabetic, have cardiovascular disease, how are we getting them out and partnering with the park districts to offer programs to make sure people can get out and exercise in their communities? You know, what communities have sidewalks? Because we know sidewalks are just getting out and walking down your street is a really, really important way to get exercise and an easy way to get exercise. But how are we advocating for that? So we've talked to park districts. We've talked to hospitals. We've talked to schools. We've talked to, you know, the folks in North Chicago about this data and this research where we say, you know, people are dying 14 years younger. Um, we're, we're looking at passing tobacco policy that says you can't be tw- you have to be 21 to purchase tobacco because we know that smoking tobacco also leads to cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, et cetera, et cetera. So we've really been on the speaking circuit, you know, talking about these yeah. things and building this awareness that it's going to take much more. And it's not just looking at, at the public health department or hospitals to lead this. We need other groups. We need our schools. We need Department of Transportation involved as well. So you kicked this off like in April, you said? Yeah, we started this in April. April. So it's we been a couple months. April. What has been the response so far? You know, um, I, th- I think people, people get it. Like mm-hmm. people understand that, you know, health is just a reflection of a whole bunch of other stuff that, that's happening in communities. You know, if people are sicker... You know, it's a reflection of them not being able to get access to fresh foods. It's a result of them living in poor, substandard housing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a reflection of them not having <clears throat> jobs where they can go to a Mariano's or a Whole Foods and get the organic produce. They're going to make the choice to get unhealthy food that's high in calories but low in nutritional value. Um, people get and understand that, but getting them to actually create policies, create system and environmental change that gets at the heart of those inequalities is a completely different mm-hmm. thing. And I think that's a, a long-term kind of struggle that we're going to have to work yeah. to overcome. And, and so one of the ways we're doing that is kind of addressing this notion of race and addressing how the it's hard for us to advocate for people who don't look like us or who don't live in the communities that we live in. Mm-hmm. So getting people to care about the less fortunate or the downtrodden or whatever label you want to give them is, 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 is tough. But we continue to say that if we focus on health and ensuring that everyone has access to good health care, quality health care, that people have access to good schools and that people can earn a living wage, mm-hmm. the hope is that people understand the more jobs, the more opportunities you have in a county, the more attractive it makes it for corporations to want to locate here, mm-hmm. the better chance you have to make sure people have both the high-paying, high-skilled jobs, but also the low-wage, low-skilled jobs that you need. To mm-hmm. cover that spectrum of what employers are looking for, and the more employees you have in a community, the more attractive it is for people to locate there. Right. And so it's well, it's working. Now that you bring up that about the more employers and um, something that I was raised out here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so something that I see and it's very common is 
the generation I want to say are we millennials? I think I, think I feel like the cutoff is thirty six, and it, so okay. I just turned thirty six a couple of weeks ago. So Ooh, yeah, so you're in your right, last right, year right, of being a millennial. What I see in my group of friends and just is that they graduate, they go to college. Some go to college, some don't, but they get a job mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they move out. Even it could be like Beach Park, it could mm-hmm, be like Zion. Mm-hmm. Get, so people are starting to move out, and then it's like, well, you're paying property taxes to a whole nother city. So it's it's hard to, to me it's just interesting. And then I even questioned myself, like, man, if I have children, I started questioning myself. Yeah. What are you going to do? Exactly. And I'm trying to, the way I feel to help the community is to stay. And because a lot of the good I'm shaking like professionals, my head. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I want out. It's, you know, this is, um, this is something that a lot of people are really struggling with. And it's just not in Waukegan. It's the same thing in the place I left in Mississippi. It's the same yeah. issue. You have an urban center. The schools are terrible. They're mostly minority. Um, property taxes are going down. There's no infrastructure. And yeah. you want to stay and be a part of the change that is required to make that community a thrive like it used to. Right. 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 You were about to say something. Go ahead. I was going to say, sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> when I started looking for houses, like, all right, I'm like, I love the downtown area. My grandma has lived in the downtown area since we got here in 1992 mm-hmm. from California. And it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, like, it's dangerous downtown. or oh, And I'm like, man, I, I when I lived with my grandma, I, my routine was I'd get up and yeah. I'd go out for a run to the lake yeah. down yeah. back so without a problem. Yeah. Um, but I get it. You know, I get the I get the stereotypes. But then there's other times where I'm like, I have to move forward. And just I mean, because I, I move somewhere else does not mean that I don't care. It's just. Yeah. It's something my wife and I talk about a lot. We bought a house, renovated a house in Waukegan. And I think I think what Waukegan needs is a generation of people who are committed to investing in the city, um, to growing the city, but also growing the leadership of the city. Mm-hmm. One of the things I learned in Jackson, and you know, some of my friends, that we were a part of this group that was working to develop and create a nonprofit that was gonna focus on promoting like this distressed part of the city. So okay. it was essentially cross the highway. Um, they had a lot of assets, right? So mm-hmm. asset mapping is something we talk a lot about in public health, but also in community development, banking as well. You have to take the assets of a community and build on that, build on those assets to create both small jobs, uh, small small businesses that create jobs, but also cr- cr- connect to larger regional industries, right? Mm-hmm. So Jackson, Mississippi, there was an airport, but auto manufacturing has moved to Mississippi because obviously it's non-unionized labor workforce, um, cheaper, um, and so how do you create suppliers that then funnel into that? So mm-hmm. the same okay. thing, you have to look at Waukegan and say the same thing. What are the assets in Waukegan and how you how can you revitalize Waukegan, Zion, North Chicago in a way that creates jobs, get more people who want to live in those communities to pay taxes, and then get those people elected to positions mm-hmm. where they can advocate for a better and more healthier and more vibrant community. That's hard right. because it there's is. a generation of people who are in leadership positions who don't necessarily have that mindset, who don't necessarily have that belief, but that's what you need 
because there's a generation of people who are kind of aging and so there needs to be that next generation of mm -hmm. leaders who are then stepping into positions who are advocating for what needs to happen but all of them are moving out you got to create that <laughs> sense of you got to create that mm -hmm. sense of community and mm -hmm. shared ownership in the success of a city right right it's really 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 hard to yeah, do yeah i think education is as number one it's like huge. it's big a lot of people it's not about the stereotypes yeah. it's more the education if you look shoot i look at the yeah. results and i'm like man like as much as i want my kid me and my friends always talk about like yeah. man look at like we're fine we're successful in whatever profession you know yeah. we chose but things change and that's it's a struggle it's a struggle would i send my child here uh i don't know i want to homeschool my kid you yeah, know like yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, it's it's really crazy but it gets to this notion um, so when I went to grad school, so grew up in Mississippi, went to a black school in Mississippi, um, and then got recruited to the University of Michigan because they had a program, um, and the goal of this program, this professor, Rich, Richard Lichtenstein, Jewish kid from New York, went to Michigan, you know, was a PhD professor there, but his belief was that you can, you can, call, you can help address health disparities, so you can help address the reality that black and brown people have poor health outcomes if you have more black and brown people sitting in positions of power in the boardroom of hospitals, mm -hmm. right? So you go to school, you basically get a, a master's in hospital administration, which is an MBA just focused on hospitals, and then you get put on this track to move into to health disparities. So his belief was that, and so the program helped, helped more people get into school there, and then the hope was that you go out and like do all these things, right? Back in the community. Back in the community. But I also took time to study the School of Education there because I was really interested in the linkage between how educated you are is a really big determinant on, on how healthy you are, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Now for minorities, there's still some things that even if you're an educated Hispanic or African-American woman, you still were more likely to have low birth weights when you when you birthed, mm -hmm. when you had kids. Mm -hmm. And that's because of internalized stress, et cetera, et cetera, poor health outcomes, providers have bias, all this other stuff, right? But what I learned is that the role of education it's not necessarily for us to create these tools for social mobility. So it's not necessarily for us to, for someone who's low income to be able to go to school, be guaranteed that they're going to go to a good school and then have a pathway to college. Really, the goal of education was kind of to teach you how to be a good citizen and then to track you as you, through standardized test scores, into these paths. So the really, really smart kids um, were going to go and you were going to go to college, but then everyone else was either going to go into a trade or just become a part of this cycle of poverty, right? Mm -hmm. So then if you look at education funding and if you look at the school systems across America in places like Waukegan, there's this understanding that the tax base and all this other stuff that goes into education funding from state funding, state, you know, state policymakers' decisions, it doesn't always benefit the people in these communities that need education the most. They need to get out of poverty the most. Mm -hmm. And so then we look at a place like Waukegan and the reality that a lot of kids who are coming out of the schools here aren't even prepared to go to college, then you have to say, okay, well, what the fuck can we do then? Mm -hmm. Like, if we can't count on education to do it, then what is our role as community members? Like, how are we training kids to learn trades, to think about entre entrepreneurship and starting their own small business mm -hmm. and using that, you know, a kid 10 years old cutting grass or washing cars and saving money and using right. that to go out and do things. We have to think about really innovative ways to get kids both interested in schools by advocating for, for better schools 
and then understanding that in order for us to change the face and in the direction of the city it's going to take all of this stuff working together and in combination to see some results that's a really hard issue Ooh, it is it is and i i'd be uh I'd kind of this is kind of opening my mind to maybe hosting a group discussion and inviting some educators that teach in Waukegan. I think that's a good idea. Because I'd like to hear more of the challenges issues. challenges that they deal with. Because sometimes I think about it this way. I'm like, man, I'll just I know what they go through. I mean, I worked at a four you know for four yeah. years at an elementary school. Nidia worked at a school, yeah, yeah. and then you have your teachers who are just great teachers, passionate. They're great at what they do, and then you have those, you know, who don't just care. There. Yeah, who don't yeah. care. I mean, and this is everywhere. This is not just walking in. Right, right, right. But, um, so it's like no disrespect. I always think about, like, man, like, like how do we clean this up? How do we start, you know, from top to bottom or from, right. you know, from bottom to top? That, if you figure that shit out, like, you got a PhD. You know what right? I'm saying? You can get, you can start your own little association and go out and change all the schools. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's a really hard... It's a you hard know, because the teachers would blame, not blame the families, but it's yeah. like a teacher's like, well, I should be teaching, but I'm teaching this kid how to behave in class. So then what? And, and it, what's funny is if you go back and study like early education, so mm-hmm. like the common school era, which is like, you know, early 1900s, late 1800s, mm-hmm. they were trying to, the goal then was just to keep badass kids off the streets. Like it was never intended for like teachers to be like many social workers and like teachers of like morals and values. Like the profession of teaching has taken on this completely different role in society that it wasn't intended to do. Like your morals and values you should have been taught at home. Like kids shouldn't be coming to school like wow the fuck out. (laughs) But like they should be in there learning, you know what I mean? But then like you introduce like standardized tests and the the reality that now everyone has to take these stupid standardized tests and the fact that corporations are now like creating businesses to like give tests and do test prep like education has like taken a completely different direction not to do evidence-based stuff and teach kids like how to walk outside and like look at the freaking monarch butterfly and like talk about pollination it's now like i've got to take this test and like who cares that we're losing populations of bees and now it's like the hottest that it's ever been i I could just imagine all the other problems that stem from that like then once you start with the grades the self-esteem issues then it's like so this wasn't even an education conversation but i think it's reflective of in order for us to create like this sense of community in order for us to change like there's a lot of complex issues that we have to solve but these are issues that a lot of people across the country mm-hmm. are solving so to your point how we can recreate that local conversation that is also a part of a, a national dialogue you right. know a lot of a lot of times at the health department one of the things that i've said is i've introduced this term called thought leadership okay it's not anything i created it's something that people in the industry like healthcare or consulting mm-hmm. industry use and it's saying that the experience that I have here, the stuff that I'm doing here, like if I share that with the right groups, it could lead to other organizations and people thinking of some of the work we're doing, some of the problems that we're trying to solve, and participating in through this shared conversation and dialogue on on change, both mm-hmm. in very small but also large levels. You know, the stuff we're trying to tackle and solve here in Waukegan, the stuff we're trying to tackle and solve at the health department in Lake County. We're trying to share that conversation through presentations at conferences, through blog posts, you know, social media mm-hmm. posts. Like, here's what we're solving. Here's the results we're seeing. If you can create that conversation locally, create that movement locally, long term, you know, the hope is that you 
can participate in a national dialogue and then shape a much bigger conversation happening here in America. So really is just starting the dialogue. Just starting. that's all you can do. That's yeah. really, you know, so like we, we launched this Bridging the Gap discussion series at the health department. And so the goal of the series is to really begin to understand. So we have this stream, right? Mm-hmm. So on one end of the stream, you have institutional racism, gender bias, mm-hmm. and like social injustice. Over here, on the other end of the stream, you have like poor health, incarceration, uh, lack of living wage jobs. We understand that there are certain drivers, certain things that happen that are the fundamental causes of some of the bad things we're seeing over here. So much of what we're doing is just starting the conversation to say, here's the cause, like institutional racism, like structural bias, Mm -hmm. implicit bias, gender bias, all these things are the causes of the outcomes that we're seeing over here. So how can we all work together to solve some of these upstream issues? And that's the hope. Like the first year, we're just going to be talking and getting everybody on the same page. But then after we get everybody on the same page and have that shared vision for what we need Mm -hmm. to do, then let's launch projects and activities and Mm -hmm. initiatives that are focused on those fundamental causes of inequality. And the hope is that you can address them over time. It's going to be a long... So, I mean, we're going for the long run. Mm -hmm. This isn't like, you know, two, three years. Like this is 10, 15, 20 years. And then you get everyone on board. And then once you hit the community, you know? That community, yo. So I tell people at at work, like they'll talk, you know, you need the community's involvement. You have to have our community's involvement. But you have to go to the community with a plan. You have to go to the community and say, here's the direction that we're going. Are you on board? Right. right. Some organizations can do that really well, and some people can't because their heart's not in it. And the community recognizes, like, I feel like the community can recognize when your heart's not in the game. Hmm. Like, if you're out to make profit or build a name for yourself, like, it'll show through your actions. But if you have a true heart towards community change and really passionate about seeing people live better, more productive, more engaged lives, then it'll it'll flow through some of the stuff, and so you'll get more people on board. Right, right. But that's that's hard. You've got to have a heart for it. You got to have a heart for leadership. You have got to have a heart for community engagement. And not a lot of people are in that space. Have you been involved with the the, the community? I'm slowly okay. <laughs> working my way there. You know, as someone who's not from here, uh-huh. so much of what I've been focused on, not only in my job, but, you know, some of the community stuff that we've, you know, gotten involved in, uh-huh. is just building a name for myself. Like, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. Here's my okay. connection to the community. So people can understand who you are. Okay, you okay. can't just be this stranger that rolls into town and just like, yeah, I'm going to do all this shit and you're going to make all this change. And people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So who the fuck is you? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And so that yeah. that that takes time, you know. If it's you know from the the opioid initiative, then that conversation just going and saying, "Hey, here's our role as a health department. Here's who I am, and here's how we can help." Or you know, some of the smaller stuff happening in Waukegan, just like, "Hey, you know, here's my expertise, and here's how I can help." That's the best way to, that I've known to get involved. In. So Waukegan is just one area that you work. You work throughout all Lake County. County. Okay, all okay. So you're getting a little taste of taste of it all. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. But I mean, it's it's cool. There's a lot. There's a lot, you know. When we talk to the park districts, just about you know, promoting health, promoting healthy mm-hmm. activities, healthy lifestyles. Mm-hmm. One of the things we said is that you know, there's this initiative called Go Lake County. So Go Gurney, the park district there launched this like 30 minutes of walking initiative, mm-hmm. and so okay. we're trying to launch something at the county that says. Let's all promote health and wellness throughout the county. Okay. So one of the things we said about that is like, let's do some asset mapping. There's that word again, but what are the assets? Lake County is asset rich. There's a freaking forest preserve in every city. There's a park district with parks. 
and things that you can mm-hmm. utilize. So there's a ton of assets in the community. Right. But how so do how we get the get community to use out it? to use those assets is <laughs> huge. And so we're oh man, we're attempting to launch some of that stuff. And so we'll see how we, the health department, can be successful with that. But then individually, myself, there's some things that my wife and I are trying to work on to create that sense of community and, and kind of help uh, help make some change happen on a small scale. Yeah, it's good to know. I mean, I didn't know that the like you know the health clinic or Lake county health department (laughs) i didn't know that the health department was trying to be involved and improving i think you know it is it's it's a shift for the Mm -hmm. health department Mm -hmm. um it's i think historically they've just been a place that people went because it was a free clinic Mm -hmm. and we had a ton of clinics all over the place and we provided a ton of services Mm -hmm. for people who didn't have access to that like, I think historically, they just kind of did stuff and didn't talk about it, didn't share it. Mm-hmm. But also, they didn't try to, they didn't have any new and fresh ideas. And so, mm-hmm. we really focused on, let's do new, fresh, exciting things Okay, okay. that, you know, traditional health departments don't necessarily do, but is what is needed needed to change what, you know, health and wellness look like in Lake County. And so, we're, we're moving in that space. So, the way you're measuring whether your program is successful or not, it's like in a couple years, checking like the well, the health yeah, of every yeah, yeah. community. Yeah, so there's... So what I did is I we created a new system called Key Performance Indicators. Okay. So that's every program has financial, operational, and quality metrics that they okay. should be looking at. And so we set goals for every program. So in three years, you should be here. Okay, gotcha. And if you're not here, okay. you know, you can, we'll have a conversation about it. But, you know, we should be meeting, talking monthly right. to make sure we're all moving, right. you know, in that direction. So some of the goals we have is to reduce diabetes amongst Hispanic and African Americans, reduce obesity amongst Hispanics and African Americans. So how are we doing that? Those patient centered care and then also launching like fresh foods initiatives and launching mm, okay, okay. health and wellness initiatives. So you know there's a lot of stuff we're trying to do to get out yeah. in the community more. There's so much. I feel like we could talk all there's day a gang about of this. Stuff I'm working on. Yeah. Too much sometimes. Well I do gotta keep the the episodes <laughs> a little short. So I'll definitely invite you. I'm thinking about a group discussion would be nice. For sure, for sure. Um, further into the education. We kinda yeah, got into the education yeah, 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 but I end all the podcasts with the same two questions. Mm-hmm, one current mm-hmm. goal that you're working on and an art that you think is worth checking out. And that could be in a form of a book, a film, or music. So goal, um, I just found out last week that I got into an MBA program at a University of uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Okay. So I'll be starting that in September. So that'll be the new goal for the next 17 months. So okay. hopefully I'll get through that. I'm sure I will. But um, that's that's a nice little wrinkle to add. Um art form you know outside of being the taste tester for all the things that my wife makes um occasionally i i build things um i build a kitchen table for us so i like to get out and get in the garage and like build things work on using things with my hands i spend so much time on a freaking computer and like yeah and in meetings um films books um i've got a uh i've got a i've got a couple books that i have on my i'm one of those people that has amazon prime so i just order books for the hell of it and then they just wind <laughs> up on the coffee table so there's like this book on um like 400 years of of uh what is that book i can't remember the book's name but it's like 400 years of just like I'm very interested in like the evolution of race in society. Okay. Obviously, if you haven't picked up on that, um, and so I, I'm, I'm really lo- I really am doing a lot of research on like what is what has been, what have been the racial things that have happened in this country. And when I say racial things, like what are the policies? What are the, 
what are the wins and losses that we've seen certain groups make and how can we better inform some of the work that we're doing at okay. the health department to address some of these mm. things that have been evolving over time. Okay. I think the most interesting thing about the Trump administration is that a lot of the rhetoric that he's used Mm-hmm. to kind of get into power is not nothing new this is not he's not introduced anything new but he's gone back and played with some of the things and some of the voices from our past mm-hmm. that we've never really put to bed and so being from Mississippi I'm really aware of you know how people use um, stereotypes bias race to really create this fear mm-hmm. and how that fear mongering plays into policy development how the policies from drug enforcement to you know criminalization of everything in America uh, to education, to health, how that plays into how healthy and successful communities are. So when I remember the book name, I will be sure that's the first <laughs> thing I say in the group discussion. <laughs> it's, some, it's some crazy title. It's like, it's, it's something. Okay, um. okay. And man, and we have to end this, but then that, that's another thing I'm really interested in, in, you know, I'm reading Between the World and Me right now. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and being that you're from Mississippi, I'm so interested in just, I mean, there's a lot that we could read about, but right. you actually live there, right. so I'm curious about. You know, my wife and I, and I know we've got to end this, but my wife and I talk a lot about the similarities between, like, the civil rights movement and this push towards equality, mm-hmm. and what I think is happening in the Hispanic and Latino community now in this push for equality in a Trump administration. I think there's a lot of similarities, and she and I talk a lot about creating this sense of community amongst Hispanics and Latinos because that is going to be one of the things that helps that culture survive. Mm -hmm. Like I love first generation Americans, their connection they have back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And she and I talk a lot about as African Americans, this connection back to a homeland was lost Mm, because of slavery and because of all these things Mm -hmm. that have happened over the years. And so, you know, in this push for equality, we fought for integration and we thought integration was going to be the thing that helped you know, provide access to all the things that black communities, you know, needed to be equal in society. And what we found is that, you know, because of integration, we lost our own schools, we lost our businesses, we lost that sense of community and trust Mm -hmm. and engagement that is really, really important for cultures to Mm -hmm. thrive. And so as Mexican-Americans and Latinos go through this evolution of coming into America and adopting these American values and these American ways, what that does to that sense of community that ownership and pride that is needed to assure that those who are less fortunate in that community have the same access and resources and support that's needed for them to be successful. Oh, Adam, we have that's a that's a group discussion number two. <laughs> I got I like you on group discussions. For real, that. you know what? I think you're just gonna be uh, in charge of setting up the strategic initiatives for God, my group. Come on, come on. <laughs> for thirty minutes with Nettie. That's what's up, yo. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Let me know what you guys think of today's episode. If you would like to join me in a discussion, email me at Nettie's podcast at gmail.com you can also find me on instagram and twitter under at netty's podcast please continue helping me spread the word by sharing the podcast with your friends and family hope everyone is having a good week i will talk to you guys soon peace